0: Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Points of View podcast. In this episode, you'll hear San Francisco Ballet scholar in residence, Carrie Geyser Casey, in conversation with principal dancers, Heather Ogden and Guillaume Coté from the National Ballet of Canada. This episode was recorded on April 4th, 2018, before a performance of the National Ballet of Canada in John Neumeier's
1: Nijinsky. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, Jenny, for the introduction and I'm very excited to be here tonight with Heather Ogden and Guillaume Cote. Some of you may remember them from 2013 when the Hamburg Ballet toured here and they performed in the leading roles of Neumeier's Nijinsky. Heather was born in Toronto and joined the National Ballet of Canada in 1998. She was promoted to principal dancer in 2005 and performs all of the principal roles in the classical ballets, as well as an extensive balancing repertoire. Plus, contemporary works by Alexei Rotmansky, Christopher Wielden, Crystal Pite, and Wayne McGregor, and many others. In 2011, she was chosen by Evelyn Hart for the Governor General's Performing Arts Award Mentorship Program, and she recently starred in the short film, Lost in Motion 2*, choreographed by Guillaume Cote which premiered in 2013, I believe. Uh, Guillaume was born in Lac Saint-Jean in Quebec and joined the National Ballet of Canada in 1998. He became a principal dancer in 2004 and dances principal roles in all of the classical and contemporary repertoires. Guillaume has been a guest artist with the Royal Ballet, American Ballet Theatre, Hamburg Ballet, and Stuttgart Ballet, among many others. He is also an accomplished and award-winning choreographer, musician, and composer. In 2012, he was awarded the Medal of the National Assembly of Quebec, a prestigious award from the province of Quebec for his contributions to the arts. And a personal detail, uh, Guillaume and Heather are married, and they have two uh, very young children. Uh, So please join me in welcoming Heather and Guillaume. So tonight, we're going to be talking about John Neumeyer's ballet, Nijinsky. And Vaslav Nijinsky is a looms large as this lezen- legendary figure in dance. He had a very short career. He stopped dancing in 1919. Uh, but he essentially revolutionized dance for men in the 20th century. Uh, before Nijinsky, it was really the women who had more prominence. Nijinsky came on the scene. He had this legendary jump. Um, People described him as hovering in the air. He also had an incredible uh, stage presence. He was very magnetic, um, very erotic in his presentation. He was also a groundbreaking choreographer. Although he only created four ballets, uh, two of them are considered uh, groundbreaking works of ballet modernism, This is Afternoon of a Fawn from 1912 and The Rite of Spring from 1913, which caused a riot in Paris. Uh, So in Neumeier's ballet, uh, we're taken into the mind of Nijinsky uh, as he essentially descends into the madness that ended his career. We see fragments of many of his iconic roles including the fawn, the golden slave from Scheherazade, uh, Petrushka, and many, many others. We witness his tortured relationship with Serge Diaghilev, the impresario who founded the Ballet in 1909, and also his relationship with uh, Romola topolsky who became his wife, and their relationship caused a break with Diaghilev. His family makes an appearance as well, his younger brother, who goes mad at an early age, his mother, his sister, Bronislava Nijinska, who was a dancer and choreographer with the Ballet Russe as well. And then in the second act, against the backdrop of World War II, we see his his final descent into madness. So I'd like to ask you both, because Nijinsky is such a legend in dance, such a legendary figure, uh, how did this ballet change your conception of him?
2: Um, the ballet Nijinsky um, it, it was something that I had heard of for um, since its creation when it was created in 2000. Um, and I was always a huge fan of John Neumeier. Um I'd studied Nijinsky in school in the history of art and ballet, and saw these, you know, wonderful kind of um, almost shocking photos of this kind of man in all these really odd positions and uh, but I never really sort of stuck to Nijinsky until John came to us Um, when John arrived I remember distinctly the first day he uh, he gathers gathered us around and um, funny enough we were expecting to maybe kind of audition and dance for our lives Um, but funny enough he sort of gathered us all and he started talking about um, how as a child um, he was in elementary school and he discovered this this book in the library because he grew up in Michigan and I don't think there was too much ballet there at the time um, but he did discover this book in the library, and it was a book about Nijinsky. And I think he fell in love with the character of Nijinsky and the persona of Nijinsky. And, uh, and it was very clear that um, John's passion for this man was way beyond anything that I'd, uh, that I'd imagine in some way. Um, so in this talk on that day one, he went deeply into, uh, of course, his work, what what he had done and how he approached dance, how he revolutionized dance, but more importantly, what was really interesting was that John went into the person. He dove into who he thought, and this is, of course, it's all kind of, um, you know, obviously it's research put together by John. So this is, you know, maybe there's a lot of scholars who probably differ in opinion. But John's opinion of him was that he was a very sensitive human being and a very, um, and a, a very misunderstood young man in some way. Um, and it was really quite beautiful how he was um, he, he was trying to bring this character to life as opposed to only bring the work to life. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but that's how the ballet changed my perception of who Nijinsky was, because to me he was sort of this myth, like most people see Nijinsky. But John tried to make a hypothesis about who he was and how he dealt with the situations of this extreme fame, this extreme um, pressure of being this artist, and also just the incredible uh, struggle of going through you know, mental illness and, um, you know, then s- struggling with his own feelings towards homosexuality and, and how he met this other woman who um, came at a time in his life when Sergei Diaghilev, who had been at this point a father figure, a lover, a pr- pretty much everything in his life. And when he got so close to, to Romola, and Romola sort of came in at a time when this father figure was pushing him away, I think he um it was really quite interesting how um how he fell in love with this other person. So the ballet not only pushed me to do my research on my side to try to sort of put together a, a protagonist in this ballet that made that made true sense from beginning to the end, but also it it just it made me um, sympathize a lot more with the person and also with um, with all the people that were around him at that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Sorry, that was a long answer.
0: Yeah. Same answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, you know, growing up as a fan of ballet, I definitely knew the name Najinsky, and I was, you know, we all learn about that time, but we knew about his fame and about his work. Well, I did anyways, but I felt like John Newmeyer, as Guillaume described, was really, I would consider him to be the expert in, on this topic. And I learned a lot of interesting things about Nijinsky, about, you know, learning more about him as a person, like Guillaume said. And, um, you know, there's all these famous personalities all over the world, but sometimes as fans you don't get to know the person and sometimes they're nothing like they seem on stage Mm -hmm. and they can be you know you can be a really outgoing performer and magnetic and everyone just wants kind of a piece of that person but behind the scenes they can be very sensitive or tortured as he was and I found that really interesting and added a nice layer um, for the ballet.
1: Mm -hmm. Great. Um your character, Heather, uh, Romola, it it seems in the beginning that she sees Nijinsky more as one of his roles. Um, is is there some kind of evolution that takes place in her, her character over the course of the ballet?
0: Yeah, I think that um, Romola is definitely attracted to uh, Nijinsky as a star. And, you know, she's, um, you know, she's, falling in love with him and his character and you'll see in the ballet when she first um, you know, has her first encounter with him on the ship um, John portrays it as a pas so she's with Nijinsky but there's also a third character which is uh, the faun so she's, he's not really there but she's attracted to that she's attracted to his star power and the character that he is on stage and you can see that you know, how that affects Nijinsky as a person to see someone, you know, are they really attracted to him as a whole person? Mm -hmm. But then I think, you know, they decide to get married and things do evolve. And I think it's, it's not always pretty, but there's a commitment between them and there's, um, you know, she, she's there for him in the end to take care of him. She doesn't abandon him through his worst times. And I think that that shows, some nice commitment on her part and John in the ballet definitely decides to portray her favorably because of that I know that he has everyone has different views about it but I remember him giving us a talk one day and saying that you know he really doesn't like her he really doesn't like Romola but because she took care of him during the war and protected him he decided to portray her in a positive light so interesting Mm -hmm.
1: um Guillaume, you um, you alluded to John Neumeyer having a huge archive or a, a large collection mm-hmm. of Nijinsky memorabilia, photographs, paintings that Nijinsky did. I believe there's even um, an archive in, in Hamburg of, of these materials. Um, so you have this choreographer who has spent his whole life um, studying this person and I also read that he was extremely picky about whom he chose to play Nijinsky and wouldn't allow anybody outside of the Hamburg Ballet uh, to do the role mm-hmm. until you, I believe. Yes. Uh, what was it like to, to have this responsibility well,
2: you know, I, I should give a little bit of background because with John, the first time I saw John, I was 11 years old. Uh, I was at the National Ballet School, and John Nermeyer, this man, uh, showed up from Germany, and he was uh, contracted to choreograph a piece for the ballet school. And uh, And I remember it was the greatest thing ever because I was pulled out of school for about three weeks. <laughs> and uh, And John started creating this work and casted me in it, and I was very, very... Young, I was like in grade seven or something. And, uh, and so he had a profound effect on who I was as an artist because right away I fell in love with choreography and I fell in love with this, um, this wonderful process that John goes through where he tries to sort of drag things out of you. And, 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 I, and I am so in awe of how much he is able to um, to make you believe and how his passion is completely and entirely contagious so I think uh, throughout my career, then we had sort of sporadic times when we worked together, mm-hmm. and then when it came at a perfect time in my career, actually, because you know there comes a time in someone's career, and you know when you've done all the classical repertoire, and not that it becomes uninteresting, because there's always so much challenges to the classical repertoire, but at the same time, I really wanted another another layer or something to really dive into. Um, Passionately, And so Nijinsky was acquired by Karen Kane, our director, who's very good friends with John. And I think, um, I think that was a big coup for the National Ballet of Canada. Um, it's permitted us to tour extensively. And also what it did is, is, is it definitely allowed us to get a lot of international um, sort of uh, attention. But when he did come, uh, it was a process. There were seven of us, seven possible Vaslavs in the room, and we were doing all the solos. And I remember John dedicated a, a ridiculous amount of time to being with us in the studio and, and talking to us and, and making us do it over and over and over. And, and I just remember that I just kept, kept trying and kept doing it and kept diving into it. And by the end, uh, he had selected one quarter ballet member Skylar Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, to do it as well as myself who 's on tonight, yes. and he was a young quarter ballet member um, at the time, I think maybe third year in the company or second year in the company, so that was a massive deal that he got that role, and then he picked me as well um, so yeah that was a that was a very big moment for me, and then actually. I, prim- I debuted it, as you mentioned, here in San Francisco because we worked with John for about two months in Toronto in the, in the middle of summer, and we really dove into those roles. But we weren't going to perform it in Toronto until March. But John so happened that a few people got injured in his company, so he said, why don't you guys come down to San Francisco and debut it with the Hamburg Ballet? So, of course, you know, it was one of the most incredible invitations um, to come and do this, and I remember watching it uh, for, for the first time live here in this theater, watching Sasha Ryabko dance the opening night, and I was, I was moved to tears. Um, I, can't, I couldn't believe that I was going to get to do this on this stage with the Hamburg Ballet, and I will always remember my debut because it was one of the most sort of genuinely special evenings of my career, uh, and it happened right here. So it was really special to come back here yesterday and do it again five years later, a little bit uh, more mature and and differently. Um, But I do think that, that he selects those people carefully because the ballet is very tender and it's very sensitive, well not tender it's quite intense actually <laughs> but it's, uh, it's very sensitive because the the protagonist is in no way the only important part of this ballet but he is very sort of pivotal to making sure that he's kind of like your narrator and if your narrator sort of Lapse at any point, I think the ballet kind of mm-hmm. doesn 't sort of drive itself uh, as as coherently, so he has to choose his uh, main characters very carefully and he 's also very I mean, one of the things that a lot of choreographers are not so specific on is a combination of casts so once they 've selected who does what they don 't they don't care as much who goes with who, but John never lets people just miss and match so if if usually, if Diaghilev is not correct for the Vaslav then the whole cast has to change. Or um, so he's very, very selective about um, the sort of um, the chemistry yeah. between and the counterpoint between uh, all these different characters.
1: Mm, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about how intense this ballet is for you to perform. Uh, it's two and a half hours long. Uh, I think, um, Guillaume, you're on the stage almost the entire time. Um, Heather, I think you're pretty close to that (laughs) on the stage. And it looks like a physical and emotional marathon. How do you prepare for this role?
0: I feel like it's definitely... um, It is an intense show for the entire cast, I have to say. Um, It demands a lot of... I feel like everyone needs to give it their all. We're all in a kind of in a zone. And the entire company contributes to the amazing atmosphere on stage. In the second act, there's, there's this amazing group section that just, um, I don't know, by the end of the act, you're so moved. And I feel like it's because of the focus and the commitment of the whole company. Um, the lead role of Nijinsky is definitely the most challenging and intense and physical but, um, for Romola, I would say it's it 's emotionally intense. like I love to do the role. it has many layers, and you know it 's fun in the beginning and flirty, but it becomes very dark in the second act mm-hmm. and it's um, as a dancer it 's such a wonderful opportunity to dance amazing steps, but also to play this character and um, with John, I find unlike other story ballets, he really encourages us like as actors and actresses to be very human and sometimes that's like sometimes that's harder than it seems as a stage Mm -hmm. actor and um, I always find that it's so rewarding to do because I really feel like we're really in it and you can really just be that person and just for John sometimes less is more and I've really enjoyed approaching this ballet and other ballets like that so Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, it's almost a little bit of a mind game, actually, because it is one of those productions. And it's almost better because you don't stop. It, it, when the curtain comes up, you, you really live this man's life throughout. And and actually, it takes me a few hours to kind of stop myself from from being so worked up after as well, just because it's such an organic production to dance. There is no moment where you're... Outside of the world, and when you are outside of the world, you 're quick changing into another outfit or something, which is there 's only two moments in act one when you go off, and then act two you 're on the entire time but um, but it it really just consumes you, so um, I think, as heather said there it 's important to be as real as possible, and it 's very, very tough balance to not perform it you know like the the one thing that ballet acting sometimes is requires us to do is sort of overact a little bit and go into this kind of pantomime a little bit and and what's difficult with John is to really shed all of that and and go into I'm going to make the physicality as full and as thrilling as possible but I'm not going to over I'm not going to do this pantomime I'm not going to act it I'm just going to live it and it's very subtle in in concept, but it 's a huge kind of um, achievement when you 're able to balance the two and and um, and that 's something for sure with Hamburg ballet when you see those dancers and they 've mastered that skill of being able to just be real um, in their acting uh, you know their reactions not. You know They're not acting, they're reacting mm-hmm. all the time to what's happening. And also one of the major things that John is always so good at is reminding you that this is the first time it's happening to you. Mm-hmm. Every single show, this is the very first time that you see Diaghilev. This is the very first time that he touches you. So it's so easy to forget that small little concept because we do it so many times over. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, you know, you see Diaghilev and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, hi. You know, but it's, it's one of those things where you have to remind yourself and discipline yourself. Oh, oh, wow, who is this man? He's tall and, mm-hmm. you know, handsome and, you know, so it's, you have to have every single thought you would have on that first meeting every single time. So it's, it's a big discipline. But it makes everything more real, and every show, I feel like, ends up being more genuine.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I have a question about one of the steps in the ballet that recurs over and over. I was watching dress rehearsal yesterday, and um, Nijinsky and I think some other of the dancers go into first position, and then he extends his arms out mm-hmm. into, like, an, an, not really an a la which would be something like this, but fully extended arms. Um, is there some significance to this movement?
2: Well, um, the, one of the main movements uh, of this particular production is based on um, a lot of Nijinsky's artwork. So while he was sort of in the institutions later in his life, he, would, he was very obsessed with circles. So mm. a lot of his art were just circles, circular, and over, and over, and lines. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's what John is trying to do, and I think, basically, it's, um, it's Nijinsky carving out his own space, his own dance space, mm-hmm. and looking at sort of, um, and also because of choreography for him, was sort of clearly this carving of space, and I think it's balanced through sort of the straight line and the circle. Mm-hmm. And as you'll see sort of in act two, there's all these really beautiful circular, you know uh, motifs coming back throughout, and in my choreography, I feel like it really anchors um, the, cir- the circle shape. Mm-hmm. Really anchors the entirety of the show, and um, and that's why he always used to scream in the studio: "Circle, arms like a circle." Mm-hmm. As opposed to fifth position, so he shouldn't look like a fifth position per se, but he should we should be drawing mm. circles just like mm-hmm. Nijinsky was.
1: Interesting. Um, does Romola have a, have a kind of signature
0: <laughs> move? Um, um, she has some like some port de in the ship Padida where she's she first sees Najinsky and she's kind of um, you know like shocked by his stardom and um, she has some arm movements that kind of show that they're on the ship and showing her excitement um, what would some other ones be? She doesn't have as many like, signature or movements like Nijinsky. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we probably have time for one more question. So um, I, I just wanted to ask, um, you two are married and, and you have two little ones. Um, how do you, how are, do you balance this? Um, you have such successful careers and now these two little guys in your life, uh girl and a guy, I think. Um,
0: I don't know how many that. <laughs> it's a lot. but It was an early morning. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're here. They're in yeah, the hotel. Yeah, they're here with
0: us. We have a nice uh, support system, I have to say. Like, we have a nanny. My mom lives in town. And we just try to be really organized and balance it all somehow. They're they're at really fun ages. Our son is 1 and our daughter is 3. So, our daughter Emma is really not sure if she's really into ballet, but you know, she loves it because we do and she comes to the theater and it's pretty magical to see her experience this world from the wings and she'll talk about it for weeks afterwards and you know, Leo's still he's still a little guy. So, um they're just really fun and I don't know. Yeah. I guess like most working parents you just find a way to make it work Absolutely. and it's nice for us I like bringing them with us although it can be hectic I it's nice to have them around in between the shows and show them a little bit of San Francisco so
2: yeah, yeah and in a way it makes our our time at work more special as well because it, I think the one thing with the two little ones is that we have less less time to waste in a way. Mm -hmm. So when we're in the studio, we're so productive and we're so 100% there. And then when we're at home, we're 100% at home. So it's actually, yeah, it's made our process a lot lot deeper in a way. And also it's made our relationship a lot deeper as well. And I think subconsciously that always sort of comes across on stage as well.
1: Fantastic. Uh, This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your insight. Um, and your expertise. Let's give a warm round of applause to Heather and Guillaume. Thank you. Thanks for
0: listening to San Francisco Ballet's Points of View podcast. For other podcasts and audience engagement programming, check out sfballet.org slash explore.